Track and field fans, were you naughty this year and didn't get what you wanted for Christmas? Give yourself the gift of Let'sRun.com. The long sleeve shirts, you can find them at shop.let'srun.com. They're so amazingly soft, so good. I'm getting texts from women that are not my wife raving about them. Hi, Robert. I absolutely love the t-shirt. It's so soft and cozy. When I put it on, I never want to take it off. Thank you so much. Thankfully, that was from my 82-year-old aunt. But get yours today, shop.letsrun.com. And they're free if you sign up for the Supporters Club for a year. Also, it's not too late to get the runnerbox.com. Running goodies delivered to you, handpicked by experts, over $50 of goods for as little as 29 bucks. They come to you every other month. You can do monthly. You can do this for a full year. Check it out, therunnerbox.com. Save 10 bucks with the link in the show notes. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the Let's Run.com Track Talk Podcast, the final regular episode of 2022. It was another crazy year in the sport of running. Fans returned to meets. The United States hosted the World Championships for the first time ever. Allison Felix retired, but the future is bright with Sid the Kid and Thing Mo. We had doping cases galore in Kenya few big ones stateside as well. We saw the greatest year in the history of the women's marathon, and the American record was broken not once, but twice. Oh, and there was some dysfunction at USATF. Some things never change. This is our year in review podcast. We'll be looking back at some of the biggest stories, some of the strangest stories. We'll hand out some awards. I'm very excited. This is one of my favorite podcasts we do every year. Looking back at all the, all the crazy things that happen in a sport. We love. This is Jonathan Galt, your co-host, and joined by Robert and Weldon Johnson. Gentlemen, I hope you had a very Merry Christmas. I hope your kids got everything they wanted. How are you doing tonight? John, I'm doing great. There's going to be some big news on this podcast. My wife just texted me, said she has found out the sex of my kid that is in her tummy right now, and she will make that announcement live on the podcast. This could be podcasting first. Well, that's exciting. Should we get grandma? Should we get my mom, our gra- the, the child's soon-to-be grandmother on the podcast so she can react? Whoa, whoa, but, whoa. This is happening quicker than I thought. But is this allowed, Weldon? Like, are it's you happening. allowed? It's happening right now. Are you allowed to do this, to assign a sex to a child without their consent? Sex, not gender, Robert. She's here. She said she was naked, and it would be a while. But that was going to be for supporters club members only. Come on, Catherine. Okay. Do they have any predictions? Yes, I do. I do. Let me unplug this so you guys can hear her. Unplug my headphones. We can hear her fine. But she can't hear you. Just tell me. Oh. Yes, I have a prediction. John, do you? Yeah, I have. I have a prediction. Okay, <laughs> predictions. Let's hear them. I think it's another girl. I do too, John. On my other side of the family, it's, it's all boys. It's going to be all girls on this side of the family. 
I'm totally good with girls. I love little girls. I don't know how to be a father to a little boy. It's a boy. It's a boy, actually. Congratulations. I was, I was really heading Wait. for a girl beforehand. Wait, you know, or is she, this is just no, I don't. She's gonna... Oh, okay, okay. I thought you were acting as if you had the knowledge. Okay, okay. Ready? Girl. Sure. Nailed it. Two girls, baby. And how'd Congratulations, guys. I didn't hear her say girl. How do you know? I've been saying two girls would be great. They can be little buddies. And somehow, right beforehand, I thought it was going to be a boy. I'm not here. I don't know how to deal with a PP, to be honest. I mean, that's, that sounds weird. But Well, were you looking at a picture? What is it? Like, how did you find yeah, how did out? You find out? You just yelled out, girl, we didn't hear her say anything. Oh, she showed me that they found out via blood test. Uh, it wasn't like a sonogram, so they just send the result of a blood test saying. Girl. Does it say girl? Does it say what? does it say girl or does it say XX? What, like, how do they identify it in this PC? Let's see. Female. Female. Well, it's official. Robert, you know your brother better than he knows himself. A woman is... Other stuff. Scientists chime in. Looks like she's healthy, too, as well. Low risk for... Low risk for all the stuff that can happen to kids. Great to hear. Great day for Electron.com. A girl. I was happy either way, but two girls is awesome, I think. Wow, I mean... And we need a new goal. Before the end of 2023, we need to be announcing the sex of John's child. I think that's, given that I'm not currently in a relationship, that might be a little premature, Robert, but uh, I appreciate your optimism. Anyway, congratulations to the Johnson family. And I think Weldon also buried the lead. He never, I don't think you ever mentioned that your wife is pregnant on the podcast. So our listeners found that one out as well, but it should be a great year, 2023, for Let's Run.com. Robert, did you have a Merry Christmas? Absolutely. I think on the Supporters Club podcast, I talked about how I was super prepared. I had gifts and backup gifts. Walden thought that was spoiling a child, but he's never had a five-year-old. I just want to say that came in handy because one of the gifts malfunctioned. Did not work as it was a manufacturing defect. So they're sending me a new one, but that wouldn't have been good, right? We, you know. So I'm glad I had the backup gifts, but we actually didn't need the backup gifts. If you have a five-year-old boy or four-year-old boy, I have the absolute best gift for him. The Mario Kart Hot Wheels racing set that was opened up at 9 a.m. on Christmas Day. No other gifts really should have been opened up after that, or we should have opened up that kid laugh because we tried to open up a few other gifts, and they were just – he couldn't hide the disdain. Like <laughs> – that's not going to compare to the Mario Kart. So he played with the Mario Kart for eight hours yesterday. He's currently playing with Grandma today. I'm shocked that you were able to wait until 9 a.m. for him to open presents, Robert. I feel like 7 a.m. is usually someone, a kid that young, they're going to be waking up earlier than that and then wanting to open presents immediately. So I, I admire the restraint by your son or by you guys. He's never been an early riser. He's a good, good sleeper. So it was a lot of fun. My family was very happy with the let's run.com shirt long sleeve shirts that Rojo Claws got for all of us. I'm modeling it right now. It's super comfortable. My sister confirms she tried it on last night. It is as comfortable as the other ones. She was worried. She's like, the other ones, they were so comfortable. The bar is very high, but 
This one is Medit. Great job, Robert. Thank you for getting it in time for Gold Family Family Christmas. That's also on Weldon's 2023 resolution list is finally places order so you can get a let's run.com long sleeve shirt. John, I dropped the ball on the shirts for sure. I just assumed Rojo would send me a shirt being a co-founder of this site. Speaking of being co-founders, John, Chad GPT says you're a co-founder of the site as well. We'll discuss that in a later podcast. And then I assumed it wasn't going to get you before Christmas because I was in North Carolina and Rojo was coming after Christmas that he would hand deliver this shirt. Now he's canceled his trip up here. I think I know what's next. Like my key card won't work. You know what I'm saying? I think I'm being pushed out. ChatGPT spilled the beans. Well, then I'm being reinstated as a co-founder. We're going to memory hold this thing. And you're, you're, it's going to be like you were Trotsky. And you're going to be erased from the whole history. I'll be installed at your place. No one will ever be, this, ever be the same. I mean, there's only two people right now wearing the Let's Run shirts, the, the official uniform for Let's Run.com. You're not one of them. Everyone at home saying Let's Run will be better off with John as the co-founder. Just please keep that to yourself. <laughs> don't need to post that. Oh, but rate review us on iTunes. We need some current ratings. Give us some ratings. But I see Robert here has some current events he wants to talk about. No, 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 no. We're kicking those to the Friday 15 supporters club only podcast thank you to all of our new members and unlike other shows you know every radio show i listen to cable show they're on holiday break no 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 we're live we're doing the friday 15 this weekend this week too but let's get to this year end stuff well I, i thought it was traditional as most media outlets we get to the end of the year let's admit can be a bit of a fallow time for content. Everyone's at home. No one's really doing that much racing. There'll be some New Year's Eve, Eve races. I think the Ingebrigtsen's going to Barcelona to race on New Year's Eve. That's a wonderful space, place to ring in 2023. But, John, I've gotten one idea, actually. Yeah. Well, the Armory, Tracksmith put on that thing at the Armory. Nick Willis trying to break four. But they didn't stream it live because of COVID or something. I can't remember. But I think indoor track races should be a thing. New Year's Eve at midnight. The, the New Balance track. Why not, John? It should be there. That thing could host a party. It's got I tons think it's- of space. New Balance, get on it, man. Come on. You got this facility. Like, what are you guys doing with it? I fully support that, Weldon. I think, and you blow it up. You say, this is our night of world leaders. You know, you're going to get all the 2020 the world leaders for the new year. They'll all be set. This one meet, you stage all the races right at midnight in like a one hour block. You don't need to, I mean, it'd be nice to get a couple pros, but I think that's a brilliant idea. You have a bunch of people at the New Balance facility, apply them with drinks. You get to watch some pro track. New Balance, I mean, fly in your runners. You, you sponsor all these people. This is, you know, you put them on a big stage. I like that idea. So New Balance, when you start 2024, that's how you should do it with a bunch of world leaders at the track. Hey, or the Armory can step up. And, you know, pick me up in a limousine, drive me down there. Okay, so we put together some categories here uh, to hand out some year-end awards. Some uh, awards you want to win, some are awards you don't want to win. going to try to have some fun with this. Right. Told everyone to prep. I hope you guys all have your answers. I have mine. Yes, yeah, so we've not shared answers. 
in the spirit of let's run, that's how we do things here. To have a this formal of a list of a show prep is a little bit unusual for us, but we have not shared our answers, so you will get the spontaneity. Oh my god! You know what I forgot though is the last two years, I've done a quiz of you guys for you guys of things that happened this year. That would have been a really good idea to do because you guys wouldn't have prepped for it. I think I still want to do it next year, next week, because that's it's been really fun quizzing you guys. So I'm going to add that. But this week, we're going to do our awards. I'm going to start with this one. This is not an award you wanted to win in 2022. Doping Bust of the Year. Well, who'd you pick for this? Come on, John. Are you trying to make me look bad? This is the one category I'm like, no, I have no doping bust of the year. Did anything stand out this year? I'm just so sick of him. There weren't any big... Okay, Lawrence Chirono. He's the biggest name, I think, to test positive this year. Am I missing somebody? Nigel Amos is one of them. There were some big names. But... I, I, I don't know. I guess we've been complaining about doping for since 2000. Maybe I shouldn't get off of this because I think of it, let's run as strongly anti-doping. But was this year any worse than any other year? People said it was. I think the testing is better coming out of Kenya. That's why we're catching more people. I don't think there's more dopers. So maybe it's a good thing people are getting caught. I will go with Laura's Toronto. Toronto's a Boston, Chicago champion. It's going to say world champion, but I think that's wrong. Valencia champion, 203 guy. Okay, it's a big name. Actually, maybe we should. Maybe this is what we should do. What percent of world marathon majors champions in the last five years have been stripped of their titles? I'm just not surprised by any of this shit. I don't think many of them actually get stripped of their titles because they'll test positive after the fact. Like Lawrence Sharona is not going to be stripped of his Boston or Chicago titles. He's not even going to be stripped of his Valencia title, which he won last year and then he's busted this year. But my award winner is someone who is stripped of a world marathon major title. I think Diana Kipyake, she's not as big a name in the sport as Lawrence Chirono, but when you test positive for triamcinolone acetonide, thank you to uh, Let's Run podcast listener who helped correct me. It's acetonide uh, is how you pronounce that word. When you test positive in competition and is stripped of the Boston Marathon title, that to me is the biggest doping case of the year. Diana Kipyake this new drug that's older age in Kenya. And she was also banned a total of six years for tampering. So now Edna Kiplagat is your 2021 Boston Marathon champion. That to me was the doping bust of the year because you know it's not often Boston strips somewhat of the title, though they have had to do it two times in a decade now with Rhea Jeptu also being stripped in 2014. And what makes that a good choice, John, also is we here at Let's Run.com were told about this bust in, I think it was November of 2021. Thanks to a Let's Run.com supporting club member, they said some sources on the ground had told them this. They told me. I immediately contacted a Nikipagut's agent, Brendan Riley. He said, have you heard anything? He said, no, we're going to Boston today to meet with Mary-Kate Shea. They hadn't heard anything. So, folks... It's great to know that we at Let's Run are hearing it before even the athletes themselves and the agents. Now, we couldn't share this with you at the time, but we were looking into it. Okay, a couple points. 
What took him so long? This the whole doping process needs to be sped up. I mean, it's a travesty to the, to clean athletes if you somehow get clear they have to sit out. But like, a lot of the stuff needs sport needs to be clean cleaned up. Like when a race ends and there's some people get DQ'd three days later. But the doping stuff needs to be sped up. But John, can a doping positive from 2021 be your doping bust of the year in 2022? Just yes, because the details didn't come out until 2022. And if you recall, back in April, she was not invited back to Boston because they were so- still s- sorting this thing out. And I asked her agent, Johnny Demadonna, at the time, I was saying, why wasn't she invited back? He seemed to think she had taken something legitimately, but there was confusion about it. Well, it turns out, no, she had taken the substance, but then she was lying about it, and the AIU found out. But the reason this particular case took so long to adjudicate is she was presenting one story and the AIU, they can't just say, okay, we have a positive test for this substance because triamcinolone and acetonide, in certain, it's not prohibited out of competition, though this was an in-competition test, but it's also not prohibited if it's administered with certain methods or if you have a TUE for it. I don't think she declared a TUE, but they were looking into it in detail to see, was it a legitimate use? Because there are legitimate uses of this drug or was it being abused? And then she gave this whole backstory with doctors in Kenya. They'd look into that. They're dealing with a bunch of different cases at the same time. I agree, it has to be sped up, but I also want to make sure that they're getting these cases right and they're not just rushing through them. So that's why it took so long. I, I think the Lawrence Toronto case is bigger. This is our third-ranked marathoner in the world last year. He, I mean, won... Three majors if you count Valencia as a major. But from the U.S. perspective, I think Randolph Ross's bus was uh, – I know he didn't test positive, but to me that's big. It just – look, you, you see why people are doing this. You, you get rewarded financially for it. Randolph Ross's dad is was involved in Balco. He's done this amazing thing at NCA&T. How can this tiny school have all these great sprinters? And he gets a big money. He's going to the SEC. He gets hired. And then his son, the Olympian, is suspended. Now, does that mean that they were actually doping at NCNT? No, it doesn't. But it certainly makes you wonder. If anyone should have really erred on the side of caution, it was Randolph Ross. Dwayne Ross should have been all over him. It just looks it's just a bad look, man. Well, but, the other worrying thing here is Grace Mokocha, who's a Nigerian Olympian, and ran for North Carolina ENT this year. She was also suspended for Austrian and Legandrol. So you have one athlete in the program who was, you know, has been suspended for actually testing positive. You have another for whereabouts failures, and you have a coach who, during his own career, was suspended for his role in the Belco scandal. So yeah, you add all that up, it's not a great look. And. That's why people. I think that's why they're they are right to be suspicious, even though you can't say we you know we don't know the whole all the details of this Nequocha case whether she was doing this something on her own or if it was coming from higher up. But of course, Tennessee's not going to look into this. They, they don't care. There's, there's going to be no investigation. Nothing. Speaking of Nigerian doping positives, I think there's some federal court case with blessing Okabare. Remember that was. That came out in 2021, right? She was suspended 
in 2021 because she missed the Olympics and or was she maybe she was suspended after the first round of the hundred of the Olympics anyway that she was initially suspended then and I think the details of this whole thing came out at the very end of 21 or the very start of 22 because they involved the Rochenko Act and they were actually able to convict the supplier and get information from him um, so I think that there was still an unnamed athlete in that case and that name still hasn't been revealed at the end of 2022 so there might still be more to come out from that but Oh, John, I don't think he's been convicted. I think he, one, appealed the, uh, appealed the case on technicality, saying it was sort of unconstitutional. So maybe that's something to look forward to, 2023. We need people like this, the suppliers, to start naming names. Who are they giving the drugs to? We need athletes to test the positive to name the names. But I don't think we need to spend any more time on doping. That's not what people want to hear. But the drug of the year for sure, John, is say it again. Triamcinolone acetonide. And I think the fact that people started testing positive for this drug that most of us had never heard of shows one, either maybe they weren't testing for it beforehand and they just got a test for it and started popping everybody, or athletes, they can't just load up on EPO. They have to like load up on something less likely to test positive for. So you could argue it's a positive. But let's get to something exciting. I don't know what the other topics are. Upset of the year, biggest disappointment of the year, choke of the year, performance of the year, something. Not doping. I can't believe John started with that. Wait, hey, you got to eat your vegetables before you get the dessert, Robert. But let's move on to our second category. How about this? Race of the year. Robert, what was your race of the year for 2022? Well, I was going to let you guys come up with the usual suspects. John, let's turn it on you because I have one I guarantee no one has picked. All right. I don't know if Robert's being truthful there or if he's going to use my response to do some quick Googling and remember what race has happened in 2022. But either way, I shall answer your question. So I have two honorable mentions here and I have a winner. Honorable mention, number one, the USA 200-meter final on the men's side, Noah Lyles taking down Ari Knighton, the finger gun across the track, the post-race interview where Knighton kind of stormed off. I mean, it, that was just, it was a perfect combination of drama, star power, uh, some bad blood. I think that Arian and Noah seem like they're okay now, but it's not a bad thing to have some trash talk or a little showmanship. I, I think that's a good thing for the sport. So I really like that one. The second honorable mention, just everything at the NCAA Cross Country Championships this year. The men's race ended in a tie, but still insane, still blows my mind a month later. The Valby versus Tui showdown, Caitlin Tui coming back from 12 seconds down over the final 2K. That was a thriller. But my favorite race of the year, Jake Whiteman defeating Jakob Ingebrigtsen in the men's 1500-meter final at the World Championships. There's few things in life better than a thrilling 1500 meter final at a global championship especially when it's an upset that is going to be i think probably the end of my career that's going to be one of my favorite races to watch because whiteman when he made that move with 200 meters to go i was like what is this is crazy that he's right there but what is he doing has he gone too early i thought he was in position to win but had he blown it no great home straight duel he gets the win Played it perfectly. He's going to remember it for the rest of his life. Ingebrigtsen, and you need to have a Goliath to slay 
for it to be a great upset. Ingebrigtsen is a terrific miler. That was my favorite race of the year. And then to top it all off, you have his dad, Jeff Whiteman, on the mic calling the race. So that is my pick for the race of the year. That was a, an amazing race, no doubt. And having the dad. And, and the beauty of a distance race is you have time to see it unfolding. He made that big move right in the backstretch. So he's like, oh, my God, could he do this? But it's a little bit provincial of you, John, as an English white man to pick an English white man for race of the year. Uh, how dare you? Jake Whiteman competes for Scotland at the Commonwealth Games. Even though he has a very English accent, he considers himself Scottish. So Scottish white man, not English white man. I'm glad John didn't say, John, he's allowed to consider. Isn't this kind of like, well, it's true. If you consider yourself Indian, you cannot, you're not necessarily Indian. I was like, if you consider yourself to be black, you're normally black, but unless you're Rachel Donacell. So I'll I'll just stop talking. Right there. Well, no, he competed for like Edinburgh Athletics Club going up. He would I'm pretty sure his teammates with oh his club mates with Josh Kerr and Chris O'Hare. They were, so um, yeah, it's, it's he grew up in Scotland. I'm not saying he's like a fake Scot. I'm just saying he could have competed for either. He chose to compete for Scotland. I was afraid the race of the year was going to be the Sydney McLaughlin's fifty point six eight four hundred hurdles. I mean, it was probably the performance of the year. An amazing mark, but like, was her setting a world record really that shocking? No. To me, the race of the year that I came up with was World Indoors Men's 60 meter final. You've got the Olympic champion, Marcel Jacobs. How often does the. There were so many questions about this guy last year. I thought it was so suspicious. I thought he would do nothing this year. I thought he would go, if he was smart, just go hide, never compete. Yet he's competing early. There's tons of press there, John. We were there. He's not afraid to take on Christian Coleman. He's coming back from his doping ban. We expected big things from Coleman this year. Coleman's the indoor 60-meter world record holder and favorite, but Jacobs took it to him. They both run 641 the same time. Jacobs got the win. I thought it was wonderful. I thought it was great for the sport to see these big names competing indoors. We need more of that. We went out there, John. It was There was a lot of highlights there. We had Mondo get a world record. We had the um, the local triple jumper or long jumper get the gold medal. Ivana Valletta. We had Samuel Tavera upset Jakob Ingebrigtsen. So, Robert, that's a wordy pick. I'm actually su- a little surprised you remembered it. I'm wondering if you read my year-end recap article because I included that moment. That was one of my favorite moments of the year. Like you said, you very rarely get the reigning Olympic champion flying out to Serbia to run world indoors in the 60, especially against a guy he was expected to lose to. And Coleman, let's remember, this was also his first championship since his ban. He missed 2021 because of the whereabouts failures. So there were a lot of eyeballs on him as well. I loved it. I think it was a great sign for how great our sport can be if the big stars actually show up to more than just the Worlds of the Olympics every year. So nice pick there, Robert. Should we tell the supporter club members about what happened after the race with the journalist? I don't think we need to go into details there, Robert. Maybe on the Friday. I think we should on the Friday 15. We'll reward you this week because. Were you guys at World Indoors? Both of you? Yeah, it was great. We had a good time. We were told to go out to apparently the best thing about Belgrade was like the clubs. We went on a walking tour of the city, which Robert kindly arranged for us. It was really nice. But they're like, oh, yeah, you got to check out these clubs right on the river that runs around town. We're like, oh, that's not really a thing. We're kind of 
just here to eat and eat and watch the track meet, you know? So you guys well, are hurting, hurting your reputations. Well, well John, John's lying. I think he's afraid. He's, he's, I think he's recording this at his mom's house. He's afraid she's listening in another room. Well, then we were there the first night. It was St. Patrick's day. John had me come out. He said, come on, Robert, St. Patrick's day. There was green beer there. They were selling it out. I think John just wanted me to come because he wanted me to put down the Electron credit card. For some reason, I had to pay for, for John's activities, even though there was a high-ranking shoe executive from another company there. But I got stuck with the tab. You saying that the shoe execs should be paying for our beers, Robert? No, I think, also, I have Electron credit card. I could have paid for this if I wanted. I just wanted you to come out. I thought you'd have a good time. Where I mean, how often are you going to be able to go out in Serbia? We had to work the other nights because the meet was going on. This was our one chance. Robert, I'm giving, I'll give him a lot of credit. Robert's pushing 50 years old and we were drinking beers and taking tequila shots and he didn't do everything. He didn't drink everything that I drank, but he held his own pretty well. So I appreciate that, Robert. And let's just be clear. It was a pub. It was not a club. Yes, it was an Irish pub. And we have young people listening, teenagers. By the way, I'm dead serious. I I would be fine if hard alcohol was just outlawed. I think it's very dangerous. So don't do shots. Shouldn't be doing that, young people. But... No, what nicely because towards the end of the night you weren't taking the shots anymore, so you were just distributing them to other people in the bar, and we started making friends. So it worked out well. That's another tip. If you're young and haven't been around that, the people that are generally buying the shots are kind of intoxicated. You can also pour them out real quick; they probably won't notice it, or just give it to somebody else. You know, it's a little bit dicey sometimes, or just finally have the guts to say no. But by the way, if you've never been to what country was that, John? Was it Serbia? Serbia, yes. How drunk did you get that night, Robert? You can't remember the country. Well, I know we're going to um, Budapest. I was thinking Budapest, Belgrade. We went to Belgrade. We're going to Budapest this summer. But um, I guess I'm going to recommend it for advice. If, if you have a smoking addiction and you can't kick it, that's a great country to go to. The cigarettes are extremely cheap there. I brought back some to a, for a friend of mine who's been known to have a – he travels a lot for work. He's been known to pull over when he's about to fall asleep and have a cigarette. And they had his favorite brand that cost like 12 bucks here. They're like for $2 there. I bought a bunch of packs and, and I shipped them to him, but his wife was not happy with him. She uncovered the, the, the uh, contraband is, is the word I was looking for. Sent me a message like, what are you doing to my husband? I, said, I apologize, ma'am. All right, the question was race of the year. Weldon, do you have our race of the year? Well, I'm glad you guys went off on this tangent because mine was John's. The men's 1,500 meters. Yeah, I'm biased. I'm a distance running fan. There was a huge upset. There were, you know, better performances this year, but that's the race when I first thought of that I remember the most from the year. Sydney McLaughlin is penalized by her own greatness. Tommy Emerson, well, one, I was watching the race on a monitor. Don't break your world record in the semifinals. You got to do it in the final. She did run 12.06 in the final, which is crazy. But, no, men's 1,500 at Worlds. Speaking of Worlds, people are saying the tickets for Worlds this year are ridiculously cheap. You need to go in Budapest. We'll have a let's run party or something. Buy your tickets. People are saying, look, they they can go to Budapest for worlds for cheaper than they could have gone in Eugene. So just think, Oh, hungry. It's too far to go. Whatever. No, no people in let's run. There's a thread on it. I'll try to find the thread and link to it, but 
I support that because you're going to have many chances to go to Eugene for a track meet over the next 20 years. When are you ever going to get a chance to go to see a big event in Budapest over the next 20 years? This is probably it. John, what are the dates of Worlds? I think it's the 19th to the 27th of August. Oh, August? Yeah. Okay, the kid will be about two months old. I'll be there. Don't worry. Somehow I'll make this work. I have the details on this in my Robert's secret notes. I think I meant to talk about this when we were debating whether the lack of crowds in Eugene was a surprise or not. But this is from a message board poster. I'm sorry I don't have his or her name. So talking about the ticket prices in Eugene were prohibitively expensive. For one day, the cheapest I could find were $200 on the nosebleeds on the turn, that which was insanity. If I want to take any of my family, I was looking at shelling out a minimum of four to $800 minimum. I'm sorry, but this is ridiculous. Looking at the prices for Budapest, the most expensive daily ticket I'm seeing is $64. For, and that includes both the morning and evening, which is way more reasonable. I understand burning, Birmingham Commonwealth Games tickets were going for like $25. Give you an idea of the ticket prices in Budapest. I just bought their quote-unquote superheroes ticket package. It includes all nine days, 14 sessions, and it's the best, most expensive possible. I paid a total of $410. That's crazy. Because, yeah, if you want good tickets to, like, the best sessions in Eugene, it's probably about the same price. That's nuts. Well, since I'm being pushed out, I guess I probably should buy a ticket package in case. Might be more fun to go as a fan, though, anyway. We can bring you on as a contractor, Weldon, if you like. Okay. Okay. I, apparently, contractors are allowed to have an electron credit card, so that's good to know. I can still use that at least. And I mean, it's my Princeton friend Grant Wall died working at the World Cup, so we we determined Wall night as old men shouldn't be working as much. Maybe we should buy one fan ticket, and then we alternate the three of us. Like, okay, you go sit in the fan stands and just well, sign I mean, it makes sense. Sign autographs with the fans that come up to you wearing your shirt, John. You guys tag teamed the Worlds this year. Robert was there for the first half, and Will was there for the second half. And maybe, maybe you only, yeah, you only need one credential. You just hand it over to the other one. Your twin brothers. No one's going to be checking that closely to see what which Johnson brother it is. So, oh, this is good though. I'm glad Robert mentioned a secret file. I just found a secret file. I forgot it has urine stuff in it. I may have to rework some of these answers here quickly, but let's carry on. All right, moving on. This is another somewhat depressing one but you guys actually feel like every week someone's asking me biggest choke or biggest disappointment from these big meets you kind of want to talk about it so this is the award the biggest choke slash disappointment of 2022 and i don't want you guys to steal my answer so i'm actually going to go first on this one came to me quite quickly Sherry richardson of the usa's she is one of the most talented sprinters this country's ever produced. Won the Olympic trials easily last year in the 100, but then is DQ'd because of marijuana positive. This year, slow start. She withdrew from a bunch of races. She had this whole, what was described as a lover's quarrel. Kind of went AWOL from training camp for a while. But it looked like she was putting things together. She ran 1085 in the 100 in the last meet before USA's. I thought for sure... I thought she'd be on the world championship team, but at the very least, I thought she'd be in the final. No. She runs 11.31 in the first round of the 100 meters at USA. She doesn't even make it to the semis. 
And then in the 200 meters, she made the semis, but she ran 22.47, didn't make the final. To me, it has to be Shikari. It was just no explanation was ever given, so we're left to assume it was just a choke. But given the expectations and a talent level, that was my answer for this one. Well, John, you clearly hacked into my secret file and stole my answer. I agree with you 100%. I mean, it's crazy how popular she is. Some of her articles you write in her to get to go nuts on Google and stuff. But after the Olympics 2021, the marijuana positive, which I felt was grossly unfair. Yes, she violated the rules, but that's supposed to be a minor penalty and she missed the biggest thing in the sport every four years. That's not how that penalty should work. She had an amazing opportunity this year. Justin Gatlin, who used to train with her, retired this year, was saying, like, yeah, there's some talk, like, I, you know, almost she, she could challenge the world record and stuff. Justin sort of did the media rounds this year, podcast circuit, was talking a big game. Speaking of surprises this year, Justin Gatlin announced some meet this year. He was great. I know Justin and I, I he didn't want to answer my questions about doping back in the day, but I thought he was a nice addition. He should be announcing more meets. But Shakari, yeah, just completely fizzled out. I, 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 that was it, it's just such a shock, too, John, to go out like that. You think, oh, maybe something happens, she gets fourth. To bomb out in the semis? So she bombed out in the first round of the 100. Wait, first round? Yeah, wait, yeah. the semis is kind of hard in the U.S. Yeah, the first round. Like, what am I thinking? Just You don't see that. You don't. Like... No, because it's not like she got a bad start or anything like that. It was just she raced and she normally is running people down at the end and it was not happening. So, yes, it was a stunt. So, for me, I wasn't sure exactly the category, John. Like, what is the technical category here? I said biggest choke, biggest disappointment. I'll give you some leeway here, Robert. Well, I was starting to say Sifan Hassan or Karsten Warholm. I mean, if you told me at the beginning of the year that neither one of them would medal at Worlds, people would have said, you got to be kidding me. But Hassan admittedly took off like half the year, and maybe Warholm should have taken off some of the year because he was racing a lot early and then got hurt. But obviously, I'm a little just being a little bit contrarian by saying that. But for me... Wait, that's a revision. That's not true. Warholm got hurt in his first Diamond League of 2022 in Rabat. Well, anyways... John's letting the facts get in the way of good narrative. But what was most disappointing for me, and I'm not sure if I, the Ethiopian men in general on the track in Eugene, where it was kind of shocking that they did not win a single medal in the five or 10. Now they did get a silver in the steeple and they did win the marathon. But like, if you had told me before worlds that the following would happen, I I wouldn't have believed it. I mean, Selman Borrega, he's the Olympic 10,000 champ, right? Remember this guy beat Chapter Guy last year. He won world indoors in the 3,000. He runs 1254 and 1256 before we go to Worlds this year in Eugene. If you told me he was going to show up and finish fifth in the in the 10K and 12th in the 5K, I would have said no way. So that's when we're talking about Grant Fisher meddling again, this is going to be super tough because there's guys like that who were behind Fisher this year who may get it together this year. And then Berahu Aragawe, this was a guy that was fourth in the Olympics, one spot ahead of Fisher in the 10K. He ran 726 indoors twice, 
Remember he won pre-classic by 16 seconds at 12.50? He went into Worlds and got... Seventh in the 10,000. And then they kicked him off the 5,000 team. So <laughs> that was crazy. And if that's not enough, I mean, Samuel Tefera, the world indoor champion in the 1500, yet again, doesn't make the final in the 1500. He had been running 5Ks. I was thinking, oh, he's got a different strategy. He's running like 13-minute low, working his endurance. He'll get in and be ready to go now. So Ethiopia men were my disappointment of the year. That's a fair choice. I, I did have an honorable mention here as well. And it, it somewhat pays me to do this because I think this guy is very good for the sport. He has a podcast, which is very entertaining. Gives a nice look in. Ollie Hoare, World Championships, didn't even make the final. That's just a huge disappointment. And I don't think you can chalk it up to injury or anything like that. He was running very well before the World Championships. He got second at the Pre-Classic, second in Oslo. And then afterwards, he wins the Commonwealth Games. He gets thrown in the Diamond League final in Zurich. He bounced back very well. But for a guy who was one of the best 1,500 meters in the runners in the world the entire year, not to even make the final, you have to say that's one of the biggest disappointments of the season, even though he bounced back impressively with that Commonwealth Games goal. I had an honorable mention too, John. 1,500-meter runner, Timothy Chariot. This guy used to just run this event, gets second in the Olympics, bombs out at Worlds, doesn't medal, and then he gets beat by Ollie Hoare, John, at Commonwealth Games. Second place. And while we're on the Commonwealth Games, mention of that, shout out. That was one of the biggest surprises, best things to happen in the sport this year. Maybe it's just because it's Commonwealth Games. Maybe it's like the Olympics in the U.S. But however they got people in the fans for that thing, they should be rewarded. World Athletics needs to be talking to them. Did you guys do something else? You really think it's just the name of having the Commonwealth Games? But they showed track fans can turn out. I was so shocked by the attendance of that thing. Great job. I thought it was awesome too. And Weldon, it got me excited because one of the one of my events that I'd really like to go to one day in the sport that I've never covered is the European Championships because watching the last two editions in Munich this year in Berlin 2018. The fans get really into it. It's great support. Germany, they love their track and field over there. The next edition, I don't like the ones that are in the Olympic years because the top, the stars don't go to it, but the 2026 edition is in Birmingham, England, the same stadium that hosted the Commonwealth. I think that'll be a really fun event to go to because there's not going to be a World Championships that year. So that is one to keep your radar in. I think that's going to be a great event in 26. The fact that they're holding that meet in the Olympic year nowadays is disgraceful. Like they're thinking about doing the World Cup every three years. No, don't get greedy, people. Like the only people that can get greedy are the NFL. They can put the Thursday night game on there and we'll still watch it. But no. But Weldon said track fans can show out. I think a lot of these people showing out aren't track fans. They're just, they want to go to the Commonwealth Games. Like my next door, my ex next door neighbor, two houses down from France, has already texted me. We're in for the Olympic lottery with his three, you know, little girls so they're in paris and they want to go to the olympics yeah i agree with you robert it's definitely and like we said at the time Birmingham, it's a centrally located city in the uk so it's pretty easy to make a day trip there from a lot of split places as opposed to you know eugene you have to make a very dedicated trip but moving on in our awards show this one 
we've got athlete of the year. So I'm going to break this down into categories. So, and we'll keep it in distance events. So let's start with the world distance runner of the year. You can either go, I have a male and a female winner. If you guys just pick one gender, that's fine. Robert, who do you have for this? Your world distance runner of the year, 2022. Well, if we're counting roads, I'm sure some people would want to say Kipchoge did set a marathon world record and won London, right? Tokyo. You know, Tokyo. But the Rojo rule, if you only compete twice a year, you're not winning the award for me. There was only one track runner that was undefeated on the year. Well, I know who you got for. Someone by the name of Francine Niansaba. Wait a second. Did Sufiano Bacali, was he not undefeated in the steeple? We'll get to that in a minute, John. But Francine Niansaba was undefeated. But she didn't run world or yeah, she didn't run worlds because she was hurt. So obviously she's not going to win it, in my opinion. I, I was shocked, by the way, that, that we didn't have a XY person win a women's world title. I think that will happen again in 2023. Nian is going to be hard to beat. I don't think she should be eligible for the competition, but she's a little bit inspiring to me in the sense of this was an 800-meter runner. She had to learn a new event. But if we have to go off on sex and gender, I'm going to lose it. But yeah, El Bacali. I mean, this guy, I hesitated giving him my award because I harp on Sydney McLaughlin all the time for barely competing. Sydney only competed in five events this year. El Bacali only did six. But he was totally dominant, um, undefeated. I mean, he won the world title. Like, if you look at how much he won, like, this was a super slow race, like, at Worlds this year. It was an 8.25 race, and he won by almost a full second. He won by point eight eight of a second, which is more than what was won, the 1,500 meter was won by more than what the, the 55,000 was done by, more than what was won by what the 10,000 was won by. So this is a kicker's race. He's against a couple of great kickers. Conce- oh, I mean, Concessus is in there, and he just blasts them. So won the Olympics this year, wins the Worlds this year. I guess he's going to get the award for me on the men's side. Well, I went with Kipchoge. He broke the world record, and he won Tokyo in 202. So... Okay, he only competed two times, but he's a marathoner. Those were two spectacular performances. He's pretty easy male winner for me. Weldon? Do I have to just be different? Those are my options. But I think there's a third guy you guys are overlooking. Jakob Ingebrigtsen. He only lost two 1,500 meters of the year. Granted, they were the World Indoor Championships and the World Outdoor Championships, but he won the 5K... But I think I've got to slot him in the honorable mention. Go with Bikaley. If you're a marathoner, you can compete less. Excuse me. Kipchoge. If you're a marathoner, you're allowed to compete less. It's just the nature of the beast. Unless they find the super shoes, you can run six a year. Um, In correction, Al Bacali only ran five Diamond League meets. You can't count the the prelims at the Olympics. But Sidney McLaughlin only ran four 400-meter hurdles. And two were required. All right, how about female distance runner of the year? Can I defend myself with Elba Colley? 
the reality is he ran six steeplechases on the year, five at the 3,000-meter distance, one at the 2,000-meter distance. So he had one more meet than McLaughlin. And if you add up the cumulative time that he was on television, it would be about 45 minutes versus five minutes. So, And he was competing in Diamond Leagues. He was competing in Diamond Leagues. Like Sydney ran USA's, which was required, Worlds, which is essentially required some Nashville meat or something and some meat in Hungary. Rojo Kipchoge was on TV for over four hours this year. I mean, by your logic, he should be the runaway candidate for athlete of the year. I'm a little bit torn on Kipchoge because he was dead to me. I wasn't excited about the world record attempt until he actually got it again. And now that he's coming to Boston and he's competing against a totally stacked field. I feel a little bit guilty for saying he's never going to win Boston, or did I say he's never going to win New York? I can't, or did I say both? But I think he never. He said he'd never win Boston. All right, women's athlete of the year. Well, I'm going to lead off with my pick here. We're all going to have to have the same pick here, right? I I think there's only one deserving candidate. My well, I think there's a clear winner, and for me, it's Faith Kippy gone. Now you kind of, you could level the same complaints she only ran four 1500 meter finals but two of them were diamond league meets the third was the diamond league final and then the fourth was the world championship final she also ran uh diamond league 3k and she ran a couple 800s including the Kenyan championships but this is what she did in her 1500 meter finals this year 352 victory at the pre-classic 352 victory in the world championship final 350.37 the second fastest time ever at the monaco diamond league and four flat 0.44 just sitting and kicking but crushing everyone over the final 200 at the diamond league final in zurich to me she's your uh, women's athlete of the year in the distances i think there's much debate on this one robert do you have a contrarian pick or do you agree it's kippy gone well, some might argue that Othing Mo didn't lose an 800 this year, but I consider her A to be more of a middle-distance runner, but her times weren't nearly as impressive. She didn't almost break the world record. And the only other option would be Nora Gerudo of Kazakhstan. I mean, we all knew she was the best steeplechaser in the world. She wasn't allowed to run the Olympics, but she was undefeated, winning worlds, um, but the, the only thing that was disappointing and winning Prix, but the only thing that was disappointing to me about her is like you no diamond league for her. Yeah, I have some uh questions. I think there are still some questions that need to be answered about why she didn't compete after the world championships. Uh, I asked her region why, and he basically couldn't give me an answer. So let's just say I wouldn't be shocked to hear some an answer to that in the year 2023. I think Mo also didn't compete after the world championships. I don't think for nefarious reasons, but we also didn't get an explanation on that. It sort of is crazy that our sport is at such a point that the prominent, the number two prominent star in our sport, female star, I would argue is the thing. Mo, right. In the U S do you want to put city ahead of her? I mean, she, in terms of popularity, she carry, but uh, yeah, I think Mo definitely in the top five. 
And she hasn't competed since July. And nobody knows, like, like you could just sort of fly under the own radar and not put it out there. It's just crazy how minor our sport is. But, okay, let's turn this around. Wait, American so it, distance runner of the year. By the way, if Nora Gerudo does get DQ'd from Worlds, we'll be we'll be uh, we'll be nominated. We'll be elevating someone who I believe is XY to the title. So that will be really depressing to me. All right, U.S. Distance Runner of the Year, male or female. Let's start with the male Distance Runner of the Year. Weldon, who's your pick? I don't think there's much debate on this one either. Big picture for the U.S. Distance Runners. Very disappointing year. Very disappointing. I would say. I. We had all these expectations for medals coming into Worlds. Apart from a thing, Mo, she delivered. She's a su- superstar phenom. If you told me one medal at Worlds, I'd have been like, oh, bad meat. I guess we had two American records in the marathon. But on the track now, like, what are our prospects? They're not looking great. But one guy really stood out on the men's side, Grant Fisher. I mean, I forgot how fast he ran. He ran 1246. Is that right now? 1246, and you could argue that's not his most impressive mark of the year because he ran 26.33 in the 10,000, which I believe is number seven all-time now. Also got the 3K American record, 7.28, and he got the indoor 5K record as well. So four on the year. He was fourth place at Worlds in the 10,000, which tied for the highest finish ever by an American man in that event. And... He was in mental position in the 5K before he lost his balance briefly coming around a turn and ended up fading in that one. But yeah, I think for me, it's an easy pick. Fisher was the American men's distance runner of the year. Fisher's obviously the choice. And he may regret not getting that medal in the five because as I mentioned earlier, how hard it is. There's so many studs. Okay, let's turn this to the women. If we exclude a thing, Mo. I think that's where you see it's a really poor year on the track. I guess maybe you go Emily Sisson, right, for her marathon prowess. But looking at the track, what, Elise Cranny, I guess? just There weren't any really standout performances this year. Yeah, I would say Thing Mo, if we're not counting her because she's a mid-D runner, I think Sisson's the pick because she broke the American record in the marathon in Chicago, but she also broke the American record in the half marathon in Indianapolis. So it's pretty interesting. Both of those records were broken multiple times this year, especially the marathon. It hadn't, it stood since 2006, Dina Castor. Kira D'Amato runs to 1912 in Houston in January, then Sisson to 1829 in Chicago in October. So yeah, I think Sisson, if you're going to say distance runner of the year, it's probably, but it's interesting. Well, because, yeah, you look at the 50... And also, shout out RJ Wilson, World Indoor Champion. She's mid-distance runner as well, but winning World Indoors, that's pretty great, even though her outdoor season didn't quite go the way she wanted. But if you look at the other events, 1500, Sinclair Johnson, I think she ran fine at the World Championships, sixth place. She won the U.S. title in pretty dominant fashion. But, you know, she wasn't really close to a medal. The top three were clearly better. Steeplechase, which had been a reliable source of medals for the Americans the last few years. Courtney Furricks, not a great year for her, bouncing back off the Olympics. A great Olympics, but not a great 2022 season. She just had ankle surgery, wasn't at 100%, I don't think. 
Emma Coburn never quite put things together. She did win her 10th US title, which is phenomenal consistency, but second straight poor global championship for her. And then the 5K, 10K that Americans just haven't really been threats to win those events. But I will give a shout out to Alicia Monson, who almost won a Diamond League this year, was the U.S. cross-country champion. She got beat at USA's uh, on the track, but almost winning a Diamond League, that's pretty pretty great for Americans in the year 2022. Well, Weldon always acts on this show like we should have tons of American medalists. It's very, very hard to medal. I mean... Like Bob Kenny, he never got a medal, right? That was in like the dark days of U.S. distance. We've been getting medals recently. And John, well, you, you printed a much more optimistic picture than I did. Sinclair Johnson, sixth place in the 1500. Okay, you can get up to the medals. Some events like, you know, Elise Cranny or something, you're like seventh in the world's 5K or something like that. I'm guessing that off the hand. You're a long shot for the medals. But Emily Sisson, half marathon record, marathon record. Okay, pretty good. Obviously, we shouldn't just overlook a thing, Mo. She's she's sensational. She can do whatever she wants. But in terms of, you know, we're, we're more of a long-distance website, so we're uh, right. overlooking her for now. It's hard to medal. Monson ran 14.31, At least Cranny ran 30.14. We're not giving her any credit for that. Then she got a little bit overtrained, had to take some time off. But... It, it's super difficult. I mean, the, where we got our medals in the worlds was the, I mean, in the Olympics was the 800. We got two, and then we got one in the steeple. The steeple chases were disappointing, but I, I think Sinclair was. It was good to see her do well this year. My big concern, and we can talk about our predictions for 2022 at another show, 2023 at another show, is was this result of her benefiting from all the strength work she did on the Jerry Schumacher's plan, then moving to the speed based thing, and is that going to peter out? In 2023, we will find out as the year unfolds. One other shout out here. America did win a distance medal at a global championships on the women's side. Do you guys remember? Can you name the athlete? I can, John. Robert, any ideas? World indoors? Yeah. Who medaled? Well, tell him. The milk farmer did. Ellie, That's right. Ellie Pierre got silver in the 3000, I believe. Ellie St. Pierre, silver in the 3000. Really impressive run. She beat some good athletes in that race. Edge Gaia, Taye, Gabriella W. Stafford, DeWitt Sayum, Jessica Hall, Alicia Monson. I mean, it wasn't outdoor world championship final level, but it was a pretty quality field. That was a great run by Ellie St. Pierre. She needs, you know, she found out later she was pregnant. While you know, while running at the World Championships this year, which explains why she didn't run quite up to the level we thought she might, but this was a very impressive result for her to medal at World Indoors. Thank you. I mean, our, our best bets for the medals are, are the mid-distance events, and then historically the steeple. The steeple chasers were not good this year, and then I, I forgot about her. Like she was our best bet. She did medal indoors, beat some total studs, including like a fourteen, fourteen girl indoors, and then gets pregnant. So. She probably won't be back for the 2023 Worlds, but she timed this thing well. She's going to be in the medal hunt for 2024. Okay, I'm reassessing my outlook of the U.S. women. There was just a lot of potential, and we measure at the Worlds, and they came up short at the Worlds, but there were a lot more bright spots. 
than I was thinking early on. But let's turn to biggest U.S. distance disappointment. I don't know if I had this on the list, but it's on my secret list. Well, I don't know if you count this as distance, but I'm going to because I wasn't prepared for this question. It wasn't in our official Google Doc. The men's 800 runners at the World Championships for the United States. We got four athletes because Donovan Brazier was the reigning champion. None of them even made the semifinals. That is pathetic. And Brazier, we know, wasn't 100%. But for Bryce Hubble, and Brandon Miller is young. This is his first Worlds team. I don't think he has the highest expectations. But for Bryce Hopple and Jonah Kowicz not to advance to the semis is certainly a disappointment for America, who's been pretty good in this event for the last few years. Not to have a single semifinalist, that's very poor. What about the women, John? The women were great. They had a thing where won the world title. I mean, well, I think most. No, greatest right? women's U.S. women's. Oh, greatest women's disappointment. I'm going to need some time to think about that because you just sprung it on me. But well, then go give me your answers for the women. I think it's obvious. I was going to say the women's steepers because these women have gotten medals before and they were just non-factors at Worlds, but. Emma Coburn, she won her eighth U.S. title in a row. That deserves some commendation. Cordy Frerichs, for me, is the biggest disappointment. If you guys forget, just a year ago, I mean, she almost shocked the world and almost won the Olympic gold medal. Seized the lead, had a big lead, went for it. It was one of the most, it might have been my moment of the year in 2021. I mean, I was just so shocked by it. It was so inspiring. She settled for silver. But she also ran, I forgot this, 8.57 at pre. And this year, I think she ran 9.10 was her best. Just nothing. Just very disappointing year. If I had to pick a single U.S. distance runner, you have to have high expectations, though, to, to win this category. I might go with Galen Rupp. Galen Rupp or Cole Hawker for me. Rupp. You probably have to go back further, but when Worlds were going to be at Eugene, we kept I kept saying, like, man, it's a possibility he could win this marathon. And instead, Worlds was a year late for him, I think. He's been battling the injuries. He's getting old. I think we're seeing the winding down of his career. His previous coach was banned. It's not ending how most of us wanted it to end. And the other option is Cole Hawker. It's such a breakout year in 2021 making the finals at the Olympics ran pretty well indoors, but you know, he was injured by the time USA's came around and again, battling injuries. It's part of major part of the sport, right? Staying healthy is a major thing as part of your job. If you're a distance runner. Yeah. But are we really get, we're going to say they were the biggest disappointments because they got hurt. Rupp clearly wasn't healthy the entire year. Hawker, was not healthy at USA's. I don't know if you can really say, and Courtney Ferricks had health issues with, I think, celiac disease and entire ankle. Like that was kind of just a year from hell from Courtney. I expect for sure Courtney Ferricks and Cole Hawker to be back strong in 2023. I'm not selling any of my Cole Hawker stock because he still can close like pretty much no one else. Galen is a bigger question because. He's getting up there in age. He's got a lot of miles on his legs. 
that is the one you're not sure if he's going to be able to return. I know he's going to do everything he can to get there, but I have more questions about him. The other two, I think, will rebound nicely. And I don't think it's really that fair to call. I mean, but maybe for it since she was racing a lot, but Hawker, like, he's not healthy. He bums out in the first round, but he's not healthy. I mean, he still won USA's in the 15 and 3K indoors. I'm just saying, sort of based on expectations coming into the year, they were the biggest disappointments. You know, like if the Dallas Cowboys are coming in super loaded and fail to win a Super Bowl, not to say that that will happen. No, you got realistic they, expectations. The Cowboys they, haven't been to an NFC title game since I was four years old. So realistic, it will. Four? Oh my God. This could be the year. But actually, that's in terms of athletes. There's a bigger disappointment for me. Worlds in Eugene? Nope. Well, that's one of them. That's I hope he doesn't go there because one of my, I think is one of the best coaches in the country had a tough year. And I'll never forget when this guy was hired to coach the university of Oregon men's distance program. I asked another top college coach, Hey, are you going to apply for his old job? And this coach said, no, I don't want to try to replace the best mid distance coach in the country. Ben Thomas university of Oregon. Cooper Tier and Cole Harker both got hurt this year, and then he, to add insult to injury, he's fired by the University of Oregon as they hired Jerry Schumacher. So I think Ben's a great coach. He's kind of had bad luck this year. Interesting. I thought you were going to go say that Jerry Schumacher had a bad year. But he's probably one of, you know the most prominent distance job in America now. But the Bowerman Track Club, I, I guess Fisher had, a, had some great performances, but no medals at Worlds for them, right? Disappointing. Uh, Mark Scott medal indoors, but at the World Outdoor Championships, they didn't get a medal. Mark Scott, whose parents stayed in our house at World Championships. We make the dreams of parents come true at Let's Run.com. One other, I was, this is going to be an international disappointment, but the World Marathon Majors slashed its elite prize purse by 69%. And they are run by an American, Donna Stone. That's my biggest distance disappointment of the year. Just sucks. Are they committed to being the best of the best? Or not. But thankfully, we have stuff like the Valencia Marathon, which may soon take over as the premier marathon in the world. So you want to rest on your laurels? Go for it, World Marathon Majors. All right. I have another category here for us. It's the... WTF, how did that happen? I can't believe that happened moment of the year. And I'll start. Hopefully this gives you guys kind of an idea of what I was shooting for, but it's going to be a pretty open-ended category here. I went with Sedona Poopgate. This was stunning that this happened. There was an article in the New York Times about a track in Sedona, Arizona being closed because someone pooped outside the bathroom, which was locked. This made the New York Times, the paper of record. Uh, and then we had a follow-up article, which, well, then I still can't believe that you made this the headline, but it's awesome. It was Sedona Poopgate, the dirty details, and explained how this, essentially, because this track is strategically located, at lower altitude, it's one of the few tracks that's within flag near Flagstaff, Arizona. That's at slightly lower altitude, 
So many of the world's elite track runners are using it, but it's a high school track. You got to reserve it ahead of time. It sounded like some people were not doing this. That led to athletes going into the halls to during school hours to use the bathroom, or in the case that got them banned, multiple people defecating outside of a locked bathroom, which eventually caused pro groups to lose their privileges for a few weeks. The whole thing got smoothed over. Hopefully everyone showed a little bit more respect now, but this was a major problem because all these athletes in February, January and February, they're grinding an altitude camp and now they can't use one of their tracks because someone took a shit outside the bathroom. It's, it's kind of a crazy story. John, if we're on poop game, my biggest, what is this shock? Can't believe this happened of the year. It's related, and this should have been written up more in the New York Times. It shows the New York Times running section is sort of tailored to the elite U.S. distance scene. The New York Times should be a little more woke, a little more diverse. Daniel Donacimento was leading the New York City Marathon by such a margin, he could stop, take a shit, come out of the porta potty keep running, stop, just kind of walk for a bit, run again some more, and then lay down and take a nap on the side of the street while reading, leading the New York City Marathon until he was passed. We're calling that a nap? Well, then? Yes, nap, John. You got to take some literary license. And I don't think ChatGPT could have come up with that dirty details headline, so there's still hope for us. But I went and ate with my wife's cousins in New York City last week. They're New Yorkers. They're like, hey, what's going on in the running world? I'm like, well, the marathon was crazy this year. And I told them that. They had no idea. How do these people live in New York and not know this happened? Yet the New York Times is writing articles about Poopgate in Sedona. This should have been front page, leading off the news every day. The 6 o'clock news the day of the New York City Marathon should have led with this every station. They hit their poop quota for the year, clearly. And I mean, that story, it's like out of the 1940s, right? Like, you know, what was it like the St. Louis Marathon? The guy, the 1904 Olympics or something? Like a guy stopped and they were going in bars and saloons and taking shots and still winning the marathon. You're like, well, these aren't real athletes. But this is 2022. The guy had this much of a lead in the marathon. He could do all this stuff and still be leading? Crazy. It is. I've never seen at a world marathon major someone lose the lead 20 miles into the race because they were passed out on the side of the road. That was, that was, he was like, you could say he was still leading it, even though he wasn't on the course. That was when he got passed. It's crazy. Also in poop related news, Robert had a link to an article on the homepage about the title was marathon runners poop themselves an extraordinary amount. This is why. And this is how he introduced it in the thread. He started, he said, Having had to drop a big deuce mid-run today, I found this interesting. And normally, if Robert had just shared this in a group text or something, I wouldn't have aired it out again on the podcast. But since he started a message board thread about this, he doesn't mind sharing that he dropped a big deuce. But what I will say is, he posted this on Christmas Day at 10.04 p.m. Robert, did you go out for a run on Christmas Day? I'm super impressed, if so. Why are you surprised, John? I'm I'm training for my sub three hour marathon. I was debating letting my weight get up to over 200 pounds for the first time in my life. But when I saw I get to 190, I decided, okay, I haven't run in a long time. I better go running today. So I think I ran on the 24th and the 25th. 
the coldest one, it was like five degrees. It didn't even seem that cold. But yeah, I, I don't understand. A lot of people, John, including yourself, are on the message board. Whenever I post anything now, people are just like, Robert's a troll. Why is he posting this? I asked a question today about the Chris Solinsky getting the job at Oregon. I said, why was there a job opening in Oregon in December? People are like, isn't that your job to find this out, folks? I put stuff on the message board. Someone was concerned, like, why is he doing this on Christmas? Someone's like, come on, people. We all know everyone's bored with the family on Christmas. And this is what the, this is reality. I did it because I'm such a great boss. I didn't want the employees to have to update the website on Christmas Day. I did it. Everybody went to sleep. I'm looking around. I found this article, and I thought it was interesting. I actually had runner's diarrhea that day. I thank God the Starbucks was open on Christmas. Um, I'm not criticizing you, Robert, because I too, there's, I feel like I have to go to the bathroom more often on runs than I do in everyday life or, you know, we've all been there, right? We've been like, oh my God, it's, you're hit by a wave, a sudden wave, you got to go and you got to find somewhere. So this and is why I clicked on the thread. I, you know, it's useful. It's very quick. It has to do with your air. You might as well read it. We'll link to it in the show notes. But the other thing about the message board, and this is also a serious issue is, I'll put things on there. Like I asked this Jerry Schumacher related question. People are like, shouldn't you call him? Yes, I could probably call Jerry Schumacher or someone close to him, but I posted it at 9 a.m. I wanted the answer before the podcast started. It's 6 a.m. on the West Coast. And plus, I don't want to bother people if I know someone else already knows the answer. And I figure someone else has the same question and I want to emphasize, I want to emphasize the message board. So someone else probably has the same question. They'll see this question and the answer. They'll get the answer and they'll get it instantly. We won't have to wait four or five hours. So it's a win-win-win. That's why it's up there. Do you have a pick for WGF crazy moment of the year, Robert? I do, but you also have something called biggest surprise of the year. Mine's more running related. I think I'll just save it for that. Well, let's just move this. Surprise of the year. What did you have? The most shocking results of the year for me came in Eugene, Oregon. On Let's Run.com Founders Day, in case you don't know what that is, that's Weldon's and I's birthday, July 24th. If I told you at the beginning of the year there would be a race, 12 and a half lap race, that's 5,000 meters in case you didn't know, with Jacob Ingenbridgeson, Jacob Krupp, Mohamed, Grant Fisher, Nicholas Camelli, Yomif Kajelcha, Joshua Cheptegei, Samuel Borrega, Mukhtar Edris. I mean, these are world champions, 1240 guys, world record holders, Olympic champions. I mean, multiple Olympic champions. If I told you that there would be a race in that race and that the fourth placer in that race would be a Guatemalan with a 13... Ten PB, you would have thought I was insane, but that apparently happened. I'm looking at the results here. Luis Grijalva of NAU fame somehow got fourth in the world, just missing his PB. And on a what is it? In a warm day, John? Am I remembering that correctly? Well, it was like the afternoon. Yeah, it was World Championships. So yeah, thirteen ten forty four. So that's my upset of the year. But that's a little bit. Americans biased. I don't want to say racist because Luis is American biased towards the Guatemalan. Well, North American biased 
there's Central America. He's from Guatemala. He lives in North America. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he, I was going to say it's not white bias because he's not white. But at the same level, shouldn't we give out some love to the guy who actually finished 0.24 ahead of him and got the medal? Oscar Cholimo of Uganda actually got the medal. What a shock. His PB is 1306. So what a crazy race to think that Kameli Fisher, Kajelcha, Cheptegei, Borrega, Edris, way off the mark. I'm going to go. So I have a few contenders here. I, I also combined this with breakout athlete of the year. So it was breakout athlete of the year or surprise of the year. So a couple of my honorable mentions here. One is from that day in Eugene, Toby Amazon, 12-12. I mean, that's another one. She was fourth in the Olympics last year, so we knew she was really good. But I don't think anyone saw her running that sort of time. And then when they did 12-06 in the World Championship final to win the Worlds, this time was so fast that multiple people we're wondering, is there something wrong with the timing setup? I was thinking that initially. And then Michael Johnson tweeted about it. He said he had some questions. And I was like, yes, Michael is usually right about pretty much everything in track and field. I was thinking the same thing. This time is so unbelievably fast. It would broke the world record by eight hundredths of a second. It came in a semifinal. It came from the woman who was not the pre-race favorite or the Olymp- who even medaled the Olympics be- the year before. Yes, I think there were plenty of reasons to wonder if the clock was working properly. It seems like it was because it's been ratified, but that was one of the craziest performances of the entire year. That was definitely my women's surprise of the year. I mean, 12.41 before Worlds. I think she had a 12.40 PB. Uh, then it, That's her PB, right? Then at Worlds, she runs 12.40 PB, 12.12 people, world record. People go bonkers. But, John, you seem like you said it, you think it was correct. It didn't take her more than a couple hours later, right? The final was a few hours later, and she runs 12.06. Well, yeah, but then I was like, okay, is this? I still was like, okay, that either verifies the first time was legit, or it shows once again, 12.06, even with the wind, is a crazy hurdles time. You'd say, oh, they screwed up the hurdles timing for some reason. And give her props. She kept competing after this. Won Commonwealth Games. An amazing year for Tommy Amazon. She's a hero in her home country. Congratulations. I thought it was fake too when it happened. I think when Michael Johnson's chiming in, it's got to be fake. And people in the message boards are saying, look, all these people are PBing too high of a percentage. I was like, this one's coming back. Then after the 1206, I didn't believe it. And her performances the rest of the year made me believe it. Robert, thank you for the least Grijalva. I had that on one of my list. But if we're talking about too quick to be, the timing being too quick. Are we? Do you think this will just be forgotten about it? Because I was obsessed about it for a couple of weeks. Was the false start gate we had in Eugene? Everybody's reaction times were significantly faster, or not everyone's, but the the the, the reaction times were across the board in every event significantly faster than any other Worlds or Olympics. And we're told, oh, nothing's off here, nothing changed, the timing's fine. Um. Devin Allen should have been disqualified. And I just think it's a travesty. This was one of the opportunities. This could have been one of the coolest things, unless you're a Grant Holloway fan, if that guy won that world title. Just week after his father died in front of the home crowd. And it just seems like we've heard nothing about it. And I've done the statistical analysis 
something had to be off there. Or if it wasn't off, then, then the timing was off at other worlds, and that should be the story. I'm glad you brought it up, Robert, because this thing I thought had been totally forgotten. You remembered it. For those who aren't familiar, Grant, excuse me, Devin Allen, who had run 1284 in the hurdles this year, which I think is like the number two time, John, ever three? Number three, Holloway's number two. Ever in the hurdles. He's an Oregon superstar. Went to the University of Oregon. His dad dies like weeks before the competition. It's going to be his final track meet before he goes to try to make the Philadelphia Eagles. And he's DQ'd in the final? We still haven't gotten an answer what happened there. Devin, what, what's going on? Thankfully, he's getting paid on the Philadelphia Eagles practice squad. But he was deprived big time in World Athletics. We, we talk about incompetence at USATF. This is incompetence. We need an answer of what happened here. They have not given an acceptable answer. Something was going on with the timing. They owe Devin Allen an apology. I still think they owe him an apology. And John, we should reach out to Paul Doyle and find out what happened because this has sort of been forgotten about. We had the rest of the track season to worry about and this sort of stuff. But we need to get back on this. I mean, it's crazy this happened. And Agreed. Because we, while the likes of the time said this is the same procedure that's been in place the last few global championships, that can't possibly be true. Robert did the research. He compared start times, start reaction times in all the sprint events against all the recent world championships and Olympics. 2022 was a humongous outlier. The reaction times were way faster than usual. Something clearly was different. World Athletics owes the world of track and field an explanation on that. And we've got another world championships next year. They've got to get this shit sorted out because we were deprived of what, like you said, could have been one of the moments of the championships. It was certainly one of the most anticipated races. Devin Allen going up against Gerald Holloway and Trey Cunningham, Americans at Devin Allen's home track. Yeah, World Athletics still has some questions to be answered on this because we don't want to repeat going forward. I wrote three or four different articles on this, but let's give credit where credit's due. A lot of other people compiled compiled a lot of the reaction times. I sort of summarized that. I did do some of my own react some of my own research though, and we'll link to the final article because it links to the other articles that I wrote as well. But I looked at the reaction time of all twenty one of the U.S. men and women who ran individually at Worlds in a sprinter hurdle event, one hundred, two hundred, one hundred hurdles, or one hundred ten hurdles, and all twenty of the of them started faster at Worlds than they did at USA's. Every single one. And it's the same track a month later. Wait, so does this mean all the times that worlds are juiced by like 0.06 or something? How much of a difference would it make? Only like 0.02 or something, right? So I'm like, oh, the Toby Amazon time, maybe you need to adjust it. If you, if you can start faster, obviously your finishing time is going to be quicker. Ooh. Oh, on to something. And World Athletics, if you're listening, because we know people from World Athletics listen to this, oh, we're on it. There's a couple other changes you guys need to make and USA track and field as well. Because these two examples actually came from USA track and field. Do you guys remember this year, Ryan Krauser setting a world record in the shot put at the Milrose games and national television? I do. I was there and I was freaking out. Like how there was a world record and I didn't even realize it at the time. It, I was like, how did I miss this? Well, no, no, why? Well, it didn't happen. The measurement was like so far off, but like one, this shows 
the problems with trap meet, all this stuff going on at once. Because supposedly on TV, the, the shot didn't even go close to the world record mark. That should be immediately fixed. But it's a world record. The crowd should be, be knowing. Everyone should be notified. People should be going crazy. Instead, it was kind of like, wait, what's going on? The athletes didn't even know. But it was presented to the world as a world record. That's bizarre. The next, then at USA Indoors, fast forward a month, Donovan Brazier disqualified in the 400 meters. Oh, he's reinstated a day later. Track and field needs to get in the 21st century. Results need to be made final within 10 minutes, or no, two minutes of a, of a race. Two minutes of a race. That happens in every other sport. We don't wait hours to reverse a decision or do something. If it's a world record, say, oh my God, it's a world record. If not, right away, like, hey, Krauser, you think you broke the world record? Stop everything. And he's like, no, that wasn't even close. You would have had that one settled. Or you look at the tape real quickly. Obviously, for certifying the record, that can take longer. But a DQ? No, DQ should be decided like anything else in sport immediately. You should have a little VAR. Someone goes and looks at the thing. It's decided right then, right there. That's how you present things for television. Speaking of television, they blew an opportunity to have the Devin Allen, Grant Holloway, everyone else who wants to do a match race in the middle of Worlds. If Max Siegel was really deserving of a $3.8 million contract, he would have had that race. The agent wanted to do it. They just couldn't quite pull it off, but no leadership there. Instead, remember at Worlds, the other thing, you know, we had the who would you, WTF, like who would believe that this actually happened. If I told you that the head of USATF would hold a press conference with 30 minutes notice in the middle of Worlds while the competition was going on, you wouldn't have believed me. But Max Siegel had some old was the Tommy Smith Olympic champion there and decides to hold a press conference with him in the middle of the competition. So he's sending the signal that the meet's not worth watching and I'm too disorganized to plan this out ahead of time for anyone to get ready for it. Yeah. I mean, Tommy Smith is like a pioneering person, one of the most important people in the sport the last century, right? For like his protest in the Mexico city Olympics. So you have all this media there planned out in advance. The media would love to know what's going on. We don't schedule it last second during the middle of a competition. Well, then also the Brazier thing, that was one of the craziest stories. I forgot about that, but you reminded me just how nuts it was. Because, yeah, he was DQ'd. He thought it was bullshit. But he was up till 3 a.m. the night before because the prelims of the 400 were on Saturday. The finals on Sunday. He's up till 3 a.m. doing things. He told me in the article things that he'll keep off the record. But let's just say it wasn't stuff you would normally do the night before a final. And then... He was supposed to be flying home. He had, he was trying to book the 6 a.m. flight out of Spokane back home, but that flight was full. So he had to stick around, and then he's told that morning, actually, you're reinstated, you've got the race to run. And he runs, and he made the team in the 400 for World Indoors. Now, he didn't end up running the 400, but that was one of the craziest things that happened this year for sure. Also, can we give a shout-out? We're on the topic. Isaiah Harris at World Indoors stepping up. The U.S. needed a 4 by 4 leg. He gutted it out, and then he ended up, I think he pulled a muscle during the race, and he still was gutting it out and carried the baton around the track for the U.S., even though he could have easily just said, I need to step off the track now and get ready for the outdoor season. That was a heroic performance by Isaiah Harris in the 4 by 4 at World Indoors. Also, all this talk. We had race of the year. 
this prompted another one in my mind. How about women's distance race of the year? This one didn't get its due. And we've been taking it for granted this whole podcast. That ring any bells for you guys? Two Evo versus Valby, NCAA cross. Oh my God. There we go. Overlooking. How about the women's 800 at Worlds? We had a Oh, that was awesome. Yeah, yeah. A thing Mo taking on Kiwi Hopsons. We take a thing Mo's greatness for granted. We shouldn't. But she hasn't lost when since 2020? Wait, I'm getting my years confused here. She lost a 400 last year. I don't think she's lost an 800 race. Yeah, since 20. Did she even race in 2020? It would have been like USA Indoor was 2020, right? Who knows? But because she ends the record, you know, undefeated, we take it for granted. She's facing the other, these are two 19 year old phenoms, right? Going head to head, and this one delivered. I mean, the time wasn't as fast as the Olympics, but it came down to the very, you know, battle at the end. I think Mo just holds off Keeley, and we we didn't hear from a thing afterwards. So that's kind of one reason why you kind of forget about her. Like we shouldn't be forgetting about her. She's a great interview, you know, in the mix zone afterwards. Well, she suggested something was wrong. She wouldn't really go into details, yeah. but she said she wasn't feeling great. Uh, there was some sort. She was not a hundred percent, and yet she, she guts it out and runs one fifty six three zero and holds off. Keely Hodgkinson, home straight. It was a heroic effort by her. Right. She said, guys, go easy on me. Sort of in a like, nice way. And so since then, I didn't really speculate. But I assume it's, it was probably something that happens to women that doesn't happen to men. Or females that doesn't happen to males. If that's the words we have to use these days. But epic performance by a thing, Mo. Because if she loses that race... We're not taking her for granted, you know. Oh, I think Mo disappointing. She lost the world. Instead, she wins. We look back like, oh, she's by far the American distance runner of the year. Like, it was an epic performance. Whereas the other two women, U.S. women, totally underperformed in that one. Ajay Wilson and Raven Rogers, I think last and second to last, right? Oh, was it that bad? I think so. For some reason. I think we take the older women's 800 runners for granted because it's such a deep event. I mean, you've got people like Kate Grace in 2021 is winning Diamond League and she couldn't even make the team. You've got this year, Sage Turner with being very competitive in Diamond Leagues, couldn't even make the team. US will have four spots for Budapest next year. So, yeah, Raymond Rogers was sixth, RJ Wilson eighth. Not uh, a great showing. All right. I have another war. This was, I kind of followed it into. You know, surprise of the year, but I'm gonna just make it a separate thing. Breakout athlete of the year. Um, not sure if you guys have a pick for it, but I have one. I give an oral mention to Amazon, but I, it's kind of what you make of this category. Like she was fourth at the Olympics, so she made a big improvement, but was it really like a huge breakout? Same thing with Grant Fisher. You know. He was really good. He was better this year, but he was fit in the Olympics last year. Was this like a huge breakout? I, you know, how much of a breakout can you be from already being fifth in the world? So, couple. I, I thought Caitlin Tui, but we all knew her talent. I'm going with Parker Valby as the breakout athlete of the year because this is someone who was on no one's radar at the start of 2022. 
she barely trains the spring and finishes second in the NCAA in the 5,000. And then this fall, she's only running a few days a week and she's smashing course records left and right, running these times we can't believe. Almost wins the NCAA title against second to Caitlin Tui. But she went from someone that no one really knew to someone who I think we're going to know for a long time in American distance running. So I'm going with Parker Valby as my breakout athlete of the year. She definitely deserves the award because another way to think of this is she went from 17-14 in the 5,000 to 15-20. Along the way, her when I first noticed her was at the SEC championships. I don't think she'd even run all year, maybe one race before SECs. And she gets sick. She's sticking right with Mercy Challenge got and, and ends up second place to give four to one the meet by four points. So they needed those points. Then she follows it up of like, okay, this isn't a fluke. She gets almost broke to in the 5,000 outdoors ends up second there. And then has a great cross country season runs those ridiculous times. And gets another second. So an amazing year for her. I've got a different one, John. I'll be Hamid Nair. This guy was a walk-on at Northern Arizona. Until this year, you know, he'd been like, I think, third in the NCAA 10K, seventh in cross country. That's somebody you're hoping maybe will, you know, be able to run professionally. Think... They can make an Olympic team, but probably can't. Now he's indoors. He was the indoor 3K and 5K champion. Tried to run the 10K outdoors. Only got third there. That was, was the worst race of the year. I mean, on a big stage. And he had food, food poisoning that week. Oh, food poisoning. Okay, that's a good excuse. And... Then he gets third at USA's, runs 13.08. Guess he ran 13.06 earlier in the year. Makes Worlds, makes the final of Worlds. Doesn't do as well as his buddy Luis Grijalva, gets 11th. But then he dominates the USA 5K championships at the New York Roadrunners dash to the finish line. And I think if we're looking at like, hey, can any of these guys do it? internationally you know some guys once you get to the world olympic team level there's guys who can make teams and there's guys who maybe can't contend and it's much harder to get on the guys who can contend list and i'm thinking and i like having americans at that level the paul chulimos of the world i mean paul chulimos is more than a guy who can contend but we're the rups the chulimos they seem to be the Jagers. We we don't we have Cole Hawker maybe Cooper Tier, fifteen hundred might be a little bit easier, but we 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 don't have a mid distance a long distance guy in the U.S. right now. At Grant the, Fisher. Oh well, we have Grant Fisher. Excuse me, John. Thank you. So we need. I'm hoping New York can get it at that level. I think he can. He ran thirteen oh six this year. He broke the collegiate record in the five thousand meters. I mean, yeah, we got super shoes and everything, but that's still incredibly tough. So everything I've seen from him, this guy, we saw he's got some wheels and NCAA indoors. That 1324 at the US 5K Road Championships, like, okay, yeah, it's November, who really cares? But to just drop that when no one's at a time, no one's in shape 
to run that fast. Also, making Ron Turner at the finish line and only cost him a couple seconds. Yeah, I think he could be the next great one, Weldon, and he's got big potential for sure moving forward. Because I guess, think of it this way. Griava just got fourth at the World Championships. Do you think Abdi Noor is a bigger talent than Luis Grialva? I think he might be. I think they're, they're probably pretty close, but you know, if you look at their collegiate accomplishments, Grialva never won an NCAA title. He got second to Kubatier in the 5K senior year. Noor's won two. Yeah, I think he's he's a, he's going to be very, very good. Yeah. I mean, at some point, right, you go off, I don't know, what stereotypes or something, but Abdi Hamanir is from Somalia, like Mo, Mo Farah. Luis Grawler is from Guatemala. I don't know of any other any Guatemalan distance runners. So the great thing about the world is people prove stereotypes wrong all the time. But I think, yeah, like the guys, Luis Grawler didn't win two NCAA titles. It's hard to win an NCAA title and track. It's very hard to double. So I, I think the upside might be bigger there. And it's just a cool story. You know, an immigrant to the U.S., at some point, Gary Lowe, Paul Rackham's husband, said that he, he was a bell cap at, at, at the airport and he met Mo Farah. was just kind of posing with pictures. He just kind of ended distance running. Then he walks on at NAU and gets to this level. Keep going, man. Keep going. Roger, do you have a pick for breakout athlete of the year or should we move on? No. All right. We'll move on. Final thing. Well, not final thing, but. Well, and you said one way to frame this is 10 years from now, 2032. What are we going to look back and say, 2022, that was the year that blank happened? I have a few moments here that stood out that I think could be defining the year. And you guys can add to them. We can expand on some of them if you want. But I picked five. Sidney McLaughlin, Lavroni. 50.68 world record at the world championships. White Minova Ingebrigtsen, iconic 1,500-meter final. Noah Lyles, 1931 American record in the 200-meter final of Worlds. Elliot Kipchoge's 201.09 world record in Berlin. And then the Tui Valby showdown in similar cross-country and the tie in the men's race. Those were, those were the moments that I think was going to stand out and will stand the test of time. What do you guys say? Those are fantastic. For me, my moment of the year. Well, that, that, that to be honest, the the all of the Ingebrigtsen races, both world indoors and world outdoors, where he lost, were exciting for me. I'm really into him. He's accessible. In terms of track races, that that Whiteman was one was amazing. But I, I wanted to say Tui versus Valby at NCAA Cross, like to have the former high school, to have a former high school woman's teen phenom struggle a little bit and then come through and win it. I know she won on the track, but just maybe, maybe just, you can just say to winning the two NCAA titles was extremely satisfying for me. I don't know that this means she's going to be a great pro, but someone defied the odds. Someone defied the stereotypes. Someone went to a healthy place where they're not asked to go on, get on a scale, not asked to do a body fat composition. The coach had that access to that equipment from the, the football team. And she said, this is going to trigger them. We're throwing this away. We're not going to use it. If they train and get fit, they're going to be thin enough. And to me, that was just a really kick-ass story. 
it's very hard to be an international star. I didn't think about that. But Kaylin Tui does go on to international fame. This is the year she arrived. I mean, it's sort of crazy to say that because she was this high school phenom, but there's a lot of doubt. Which direction do those high school stars go? And we knew that coming in when she went to college. We're like, how many over under NCAA titles? I think we said 0.1, 0.5. Did she even win one? We said she could win a lot. Now she's won, what, three? No. Two individual, two team. Okay. But just great, great story. For us to really remember that that is like years from now, she'll have to go on to greatness and other things. Then maybe actually we'll forget this year. But, John, I guess we did have the home world. Noah Lyles breaking the record, ripping off his shirt. But I, for me, I'll, the better race for me was the race, as you pointed out earlier, at USA's. I love that one, just the anticipation. But I think this 200-meter record is going to get blown out of the water. I think Lyles, Aaron, Aaron Knight, is going to push it much lower than 1931. So I think we'll forget this race 10 years from now. You'll be like, oh, remember when they ran 1931? At home worlds, I guess it'll still be a kind of cool moment. But by then, we already had the LA Olympics, so maybe people won't even remember the Eugene Worlds that much. That's a fair point. I could definitely see that. What as soon as I said the Lyles thing, I'm like, oh, I could actually see Lyles running faster next year. I could see Knighton running faster. So that I mean, that was a breathtaking run. I thought it was really cool. Michael Johnson's record finally went down after 26 years. And another cool moment, USA going one, two, three in the men's hundred. Remember last year, the US men's sprinters and US men's track runners in general was mute as a failure. No gold medals at the Olympic Games. This year, they come back, ultimate redemption. One, two, three in the hundred, one, two, three in the 200. They win the 400. They won the one hit hurdles, went one, two in that event. They didn't win the four by one. Canada got them there, but. That was pretty awesome. Uh, so I enjoyed to see that. Yeah, we haven't talked much about sprints and stuff because distance focus, but the U.S. men, I think, had 11 sprint medals at Worlds. The women only had two. I think that's individual medals. But the U.S. men brought it. Sweeping, I mean, 100 and 200, that's crazy. And with six different athletes, it's not like there was any overlap. It was three guys swept the 100 and then three other guys swept the 200. And then lost to Canada in the four by one, not dropping the baton, right? <laughs> yeah. Like, that's pretty hard to do. Andre de Grasse, dude. I don't know how you did it, man. You had a shitty world, yet you win the four by one, like, which makes it a great world. It's like, man, Canada on the up and up. They had a tough World Cup group, John. No one's even looking at that now. What goes in their group? That, that reminds me. I mean, Max Siegel, what an amazing year. Because since he's taking credit for all the gold medals that we win, like, he really changed his coaching. He knew that those men's sprinters didn't do anything last year, and he just switched it up, and it was pure dominance. Thank you, Max. Now, one of the things I hope that we do remember in 10 years, but I don't think the sport's mainstream enough, is I hope this was the final year we realized Max Siegel is completely overpaid, and do not let January go come by, John, without me writing the article based on Ron Perlman's stats with sportsexaminer.com. Like, he's like, oh, I deserve it because we're winning, and the revenues are up. Yes, the revenues are up, but they're down from seven years ago. And Ron Perlman, a sports examiner, pointed this out. So, Rich Perlman, Ron Perlman's an actor. Rich Perlman. And I agree, Robert. This is one of my big things. If Max Siegel isn't the head of USATF in a few years, this will be the year he is exposed because this Rich Perlman thing just hit the light for me. I'm like, wait, sponsorship revenue is down 
from like six years ago. Max, like we've done such a great job. Wait, no, you signed one Nike contract and now you're flatlining or declining. If anything, maybe before LA 2028, we need somebody else in there. Maybe we should also see, I wish they had the 2022 numbers. Like, are they even down when they had a U.S. World Championship? You think there'd be a massive excitement? The worlds are delayed. It's the year after the Olympics. We, revenue should be at an all-time high. You know, we'll, we'll see what they were. But from a personal standpoint, what was my favorites? We had the races, but well, I, I love going to, going to places. So going to Belgrade was so cool. John, that was a lot of fun. I think my, my personal moments were me and my, my boy. Jakob Ingebrigtsen, we, we got to have him on the podcast at some point. But I can't remember which came first. I I think it was, well, two, I, I had two personal interactions with, with, with Mr. Ingebrigtsen. At one point, I had to tell him they had, he was holding him a Paris 2024 sign. I said, I want to be the first person to repeat his 1500-meter champion. I had to give him a history lesson. I said, hey, that's already happened. Set the toe, blah, blah, blah. And that was kind of funny. And then at Worlds, when he said, hey, uh, podcast, you've got some interesting ideas. So, you know, I just, sometimes these young kids don't want to be educated, but they've got to listen to Roger. Well, I think the one he, totally used that was, you didn't say you got some interesting ideas. He said your, your ideas are interesting. You know, it was, it was taken as a compliment or a negative, but he also said, First of all, this is great. Jakob, we're glad you're listening to Let's Run.com podcast. Welcome to the club. But he also said he tended to agree with my opinion. So take that for what you will. But uh, thank you. Yeah. Jakob, if he came on the podcast, I mean, it's, hopefully my login works next week. Maybe that's part of the plan. I just can't log in. And then I see Jakob on here instead of me. That would be great, guys. I would understand, I guess. But he understands. Had to be a little more diplomatic than Robert. Robert just rants and can't let things go. And sometimes, you know, nuance is the way to go. Um, for doing, yeah, personal moments for everybody. I guess I'm a total hypocrite because for race of the year, I said that the Kira D'Amato breaking the American record was like the coolest moment in the sport this century. And now I haven't mentioned it once on the year end podcast, but it's still a fucking cool story. Find me a cooler one. Some woman who was like hobby jogging, ran a marathon slower than my wife. Who's not even a runner. She breaks the American record. Super cool story. Also, John, I forgot my doping bust the year. Shelby Houlihan. That was lost year. Well, then. No, people, that's all people still talk about in Let's Run. I think it was two years ago, wasn't it? Or no, it was last year. Well, her positive test was December 2020, but it was real during 2021. But we we need to, uh, never mind, on Let's Run, that's still the, the most talked about doping thing by far. And we had we didn't do threads of the year. Oh my God, I forgot. So maybe the, we'll do that in Supporters Club podcast as well. We can do that, that type of stuff, a Supporters Club on Friday. And then... Our next Tuesday's podcast, we'll look ahead to 2024. A lot to be excited about. 2024? What about 2023? First of all, well... Oh, skipped a year there. Well, I, I, I got Actually, co- coolest... Okay, for me, coolest things that... Is the sport exactly or where it was the year before, slightly declining, whatever? We had this Worlds in the U.S. I don't see it being radically in a much better place. Hopefully, it's not in a worse place. Oh, crazy the end of the year, whatever. You could say that about badminton tennis. Is it really crazy or, you know, just sort of like talking points? But 
you know, what's really changed about the sport. Cool things for me, the New Balance track in Boston. Somehow I'm really excited about this thing. I just like it. I think it's they could do more events. Just do a couple, but such a nice facility. Um, you know, I, I'm a guy who dreamed. I went to track meets at Reunion Arena in Dallas, Texas with over 10,000 people. So I, I was horrified when Milrose left the garden. This isn't this isn't like a garden setting, but it's a pretty big track. It, it's the nicest thing I've seen since the stadium, like that. So that would be cool. I said 2024 Paris having a mass participation race at the Olympics. That's cool. Yes, think outside of the box. Why can't we do that more often? We need people like this doing things like this. I don't know trying to grow at every opportunity. I wanted to share one of the cool moments I thought was Evan Jaga making the world championship team in the steeplechase. And because he just wasn't running very well before the world championships. I mean, this is a guy, the greatest American steeplechaser in history. And then he runs his last race in, in 2018. He misses all of 2019. 2020, he's healthy a little bit but there's no steeplechases because it's COVID. 2021, runs one race in February, injured, misses the Olympic trials. 2022, he's now 33 years old. He hasn't run a steeple in four years, or hasn't finished a steeple in four years. A lot of doubters. I was among them. Wasn't all that impressive. He was at three races before the, World Gen- before the U.S. Championships. 8.34 for second at Mount Sac. 8.27 a fifth at uh, uh, Mount Sac, and then 8.24 for third at the Portland Track Festival. He still needed the World Championship standard. Just wasn't looking all that impressive. And he comes out, gets it done, runner-up in the final, emotional release. He was just so pumped to be on the team. I think Evan's one of the good guys in the sport. It was just a really cool moment to see a guy who had gone through so much over the last four years to make it back. And then he finishes sixth place in the World Championship final. I mean, that's pretty damn good for a guy who was looking like he was totally washed two months earlier. So credit to Evan. That was a really fun moment. Six? That is pretty good. That was the same place he got at Worlds in 2015, the year he ran eight flat. So obviously different, slightly different kind of races, but six in the world is pretty damn good. Can we officially say, though, John? Sub eight dream is over. I think the sub eight dream is over, but damn it! Would you be sh- would you be shocked if he's six this year? I know he's going to be thirty four in March, but if he gets some healthy training in, would you be shocked if he's on the podium again next year? I wouldn't. If Courtney Ferrex could win the nearly win the Olympics, Evan Jager can go sub eight. There it is. Tom Brady. I watched Tom Brady. I wish track was just a little more like football. I watch Tom Brady, John, like nearly every week. People say he's washed. He leads some comeback every game I watch. Now, maybe I've just watched the two games they've come back on, but they've been way down fourth quarter, like 10 points, 13 points, something crazy. They win the game. He still got it. I root for him so hard, yet I realize he's going to play the Dallas Cowboys in the first round of the playoffs, hopefully. That's what it'll end right there. Reality oh, you're hoping. Okay. We'll slap him in the face right there. It better end right there. I'm all about the Ravens, and I think I've I'll root for Brady maybe to beat my Cowboys, but to I need to get out of here, guys. It's probably coaching approaching two hours. Uh, too 
parting comments. Biggest disappointment of the year? I don't know if we already did this, but I've got another one in case we did. Right? By the way, the person I'm about to talk to, his father listens to the podcast, so just pull over the car. If I've talked about you and I've talked about your son, just pull over the car. Don't be upset. I don't want you to get an accent. Christian Coleman. If if I told you at the beginning of the year that the U.S. would go, Christian Coleman would make the world's team and the U.S. would go one, two, three, and he would not medal, you wouldn't have believed me. That's what happened. He was six at the world's. Just that drug bust. I think he maybe passed his peak. Other people surpassed him. If he was the Olympic champion, imagine how much money he would have made. He really messed up there. So that that was disappointing. And I got I can't end on that. More a beat mochus on a personal level. It's fun to see that. when a kid turns five, they're so innocent, but now we really appreciate his birthday, really appreciated Christmas. He started school. You have your kid say, What's your favorite part about school? And he says, He used to say recess. Now he says, Learning. So I kind of like it though when he doesn't learn. My favorite thing is when he says muchest. So John, well done. Hope you have enjoy the muchest of the that is not the right word, but hope you enjoy muchest in 2023. I'm out of here. All right. Thanks, Robert. I think that's a good note to end on. We will have one final podcast for you in 2022, the Supporters Club Friday 15, which we'll be recording at the end of this week. And then we'll have our 2023 Look Ahead podcast. But, well, many parting thoughts on the final regular part of 2022. I enjoyed this, as always. Another another great year of pods and another year where we didn't miss one. We did a pod every week in 2022. I think we all deserve a little... You know, I, I think that's something to be proud of. Multiple pods, John. We did two every week, I think, except for the Thanksgiving. We skipped the Supporters Club podcast. Thanks to everyone who signed up Supporters Club. Friday, what? They get to name my daughter, right? Is that how it works? Now I'm having two daughters. I'm going to be the father of two daughters. Everyone's saying I'm a sexist. You got to stop. You got to stop. I love women. Love my kids. We learn a lot from kids, John. Like my little daughter, when she doesn't catch something, she's like, almost. I'm like, wow. You just, you know, she's like, not coming close. Almost. So keep striving, people. Supporters Club Podcast Friday. We're going to have the top message board threads. I guess I'll put that together. John may have a quiz for me and Robert, or maybe that'll be next week in the 2023 preview podcast. But we love you guys. Thanks for your support in 2022. John, thank you for all the great work you do at Let's Run.com. Here's to 2023.